invite them. You just never know who might come if you ask them. You know, the guy that you work with or the next door neighbor or whoever it is, uh, just invite them. And they might just show up. The only way you can be sure they won't show up is if you don't invite them. Then you just mark it down. They're not showing up. Amen. So go ahead and ask. And uh, you just never know what might happen. If you found Mark chapter five, would you stand with me as we read the word of God? Mark chapter five, beginning in verse number one. It says this. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. And were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here today, and we can sing songs about your goodness and your love and the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. God, thank you that we have your word that we can open and read and trust and stand on. God, today as we do that, I pray that you would use it in our hearts and lives. Lord, there might be somebody here today who does not know Christ as Savior. And if that's the case, Lord, I pray that even now your Holy Spirit would already be at work in their heart, convicting them of sin and drawing them to yourself. Lord, we just ask that you'd be glorified and honored today, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Dear Jesus, please go away. Please go away. This is an amazing story. You see in Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus and, and the disciples are on the other side of the sea and, and he's teaching and preaching. And, and then as the day closes, he says to the disciples, let's get the boat and go the other side. And so they get the boat and, and they get in there and, and Jesus promptly finds a place to lay down and go to sleep. And he falls asleep in the boat and they're headed across the water. And then you know what happens. A storm comes up, a big storm, and they're afraid they're going to die. So they go wake him up and say, don't you even care that we're about to die here? Uh, are, are you going to do something? And Jesus, it just shows you the mercy of our Savior. Because I'd, I'd have pushed him out of the boat. That's what I'd have done. But he said, he said, peace be still. And he calmed the storm. 
and just reminded them that he was in control all along and everything was all right. Amen. Now, while all that was happening, they're, they're getting closer to the other side. And, and as they get near the other side, there's some strange goings on on the other side. On the other side is the country of the Gadarenes, or you'll see it called the Gergesenes. It's the area of Decapolis and all that on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they're coming that way. And as they're coming, there's a guy who lives up on the hillside. It's a graveyard. And he lives up there among the tombs. And he is possessed with devils. That we don't know this guy's whole history. We don't know where he came from. We don't know what his family was like. We don't know. Uh, we know for sure he's somebody's son. He may well have been somebody's husband, somebody's father. We don't know all of the details of his life. But we do know that things have gone so wrong in his life that by the time Jesus comes across this water, this man is just completely filled with devils. He is, he is possessed. He has been that way for some time. He, he, he rips his clothes off. He lives up on the, on the hillside in the tombs. He screams and cries. He cuts himself. And he comes down through town and scares people. And he's, he's frightening and they don't like it. And they've tried, to, they've tried to put fetters on him and he just pops them. They, they bound him with chains. And he just rips the chains apart. And so he just strikes terror in the heart of everyone that he comes close to. And he's scary and, and it's evil. And, and at night they hear him up in the, on the hillside in the tombs. And he's screaming and crying and cutting himself. And it's, it's absolutely terrifying. And that man up on that hillside in those tombs sees a boat coming to the shore. And when that boat gets to shore, all of a sudden that man has the first clear thought that he's had in a lot of years. And that clear thought is this. I believe that that man down there can help me. And so he, he makes a beeline from the hillside down to the, down to the shore. And when Jesus gets out of the boat, this guy comes running. Can you imagine? He's covered in scars and filth and he's naked and, and he terrifies everybody and he's running toward Jesus. Can you imagine? I would love to see the disciples' faces while this is happening because they're probably getting ready to go out and defend the Savior, you know? They're probably thinking we're going to have to fight off a crazy man and, and, and Jesus is there and this man comes and just falls down at his feet and begins to worship the Savior. And they're probably just dumbfounded as they're watching this happen. And, and, and Jesus is, is talking and says, come out. And, and, and the devils say, we don't want to come out. And then they said, please don't make us leave this area. We like it here. Isn't that weird? Do you suppose there are some areas where the devil likes to be? I mean, where they've made him so comfortable that he likes to be there. It's just an easy place for him to be because he's been welcomed for so long in that area that he likes it there. Well, that's evidently what's going on on this side of the Sea of Galilee. I mean, this is, this is a wicked place if the devil doesn't even want to leave here because he likes it here. And Jesus said, what's your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many. And they said, can we, can we go into the swine over there? And Jesus gave them leave, the Bible says, to leave that man 
and go into the swine. A herd of about 2,000 swine on the hill. Now, if there are 2,000 swine that get possessed by devils after they leave this man, it would not be a stretch to imagine there's a couple thousand devils in this man. I mean, that's a mess. This is not just a little oppression here or a, a bad feeling over there. We're talking a legion of demonic activity inside of this man. His whole life has been destroyed and turned upside down. And in just an instant, just like that, the devils come out. They go into the herd of swine. The herd of swine run down the mountain, off the cliff, into the sea, and drown. So well, hold it. Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would, the, why would the devils come out of the man, go into the pigs, and then destroy the pigs? Well, because that's all the devil does. That's what he does. He destroys everything he touches. He hadn't yet been able to take the man's life, but as soon as the devils are in the pigs, I mean, what use are pigs to devils? So let's just destroy. And they immediately just slaughtered them all. Listen, don't ever believe that the devil has your best interests at heart. He's a liar, first and foremost. And all he does is destroy. He'll destroy your life. He'll destroy your home. He'll destroy your church. He'll destroy anything he gets his hands on. And he'll tell you he's doing it for your own good. But he's a liar. And he's destroying. And so he does just what devils always do. Went from the man into the pigs. And, and there's nothing they can do with the life of a pig. So they just immediately slaughter the pigs and continue in their mission of destruction. So here's this man now, and they evidently put a cloak over him or give him some clothes because now he's seated, he's clothed, he's in his right mind, he's talking to the Savior, the Savior is talking to him. It's a wonderful, wonderful moment. And again, the disciples have got to be just absolutely flabbergasted seeing what has just happened because they can look at the man and know this guy is trouble and he has serious problems. And now all of a sudden, boom, the problems are solved and he's sitting there talking to Jesus and they're all just having a wonderful time. And then the guys who were watching the pigs see what's going on. That guy's down there talking to Jesus and our pigs just ran off the, off the mountain and drowned themselves and they run into town and tell everybody, hey, the crazy guy, something's, something's changed. He's got clothes on. He's talking to this guy down there. And he looks normal and all of our pigs are dead and, and he runs into town and gets all the people and they, they come out. And there's Jesus and there's the man. And, and now look at it from a realistic perspective. Jesus has just solved their biggest problem. I mean, their big problem in town is that the crazy guy's up in the tombs and they don't know what he's going to do and who he's going to hurt and when he's going to cause trouble and if and when he's going to come through town and they're going to have to hide the kids. And they, they, don't, they don't know what's going on. And, and Jesus just fixed it. He's sitting there. He's in his right mind. He knows who he is. He knows where he came from. He, he's talking like a human being. All is well. At that point, do you not say to Jesus, thank you. Thank you for solving our problem. And by the way, could you hang around for a while? Because there's another guy over on the other side of town. And, and then there's this woman over here. And there's this kid over there. And this guy's crippled. And we've heard that you heal people. And we got this and this. Why don't you stay for a while? Because we got a lot of other problems too. Does that not make sense to you? I mean, here's the guy that just walked in, solved the big problem. And they said, please go away. 
Just get in your boat and go back. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Why in the world would you do that when, when he's just solved your problem? I mean, here he is. He's just shown that he can solve problems. He solved the biggest one you've got, and your response is to tell him to go away? That's what they did. And by the way, people still do that. They do that. You don't have to go far and listen to too many testimonies to find out that Jesus can transform a life. I mean, you can find plenty of folks who can tell you how Jesus completely changed everything in their life and it went from headed for destruction to a profitable life and going good and God is blessed. There are multitudes of those testimonies. There are dozens of them sitting right here. You could give testimony to that. And yet people will hear that and see that and know that Jesus is standing right there and all they have to do is ask and the same thing's available to them. And instead they'll say, Go away. Just go away. I, I'm glad you fixed the crazy guy, but go away. I, I'm glad this guy's not on drugs and robbing my house in the middle of the night, but I'm, I'm happy with that. Now go away. That's good enough. I, I'm glad that, that my daughter's not over here with her life messed up anymore, but that's enough. That's all I want. Now just go away. That's what they said. Go away. Now here's the scary part. You better be careful telling Jesus to go away. Because if you insist that he go away, he'll go away. He will. That's what he did right here. Why would they say to Jesus, who has just done what they've wanted done for a long time, why would they tell him to go away? Well, I submit to you this morning that, first of all, it was because he reminded them of their sin. You see, all of a sudden, when Jesus comes and casts out the devils and this man is worshiping him, they are brought to the realization that this was not an environmental issue. This was not a family problem. This was not something else. This was a sin issue in this man's life. And Jesus just fixed his sin issue. And if he had a sin issue, somebody else might have a sin issue. You see, Jesus reminded them that there was sin there in the midst of them. Now, they had gotten used to the crazy guy in the tombs. You get used to stuff after a while. You do. And I'm sure there were many who said, well, that's just the way he is. That's the way he was born. Or, or that's, you know, because of this damaging thing in his childhood. That's how he is now. And we just have to accept that that's the way it is. And it'll be okay. And let him live his truth and have his lifestyle. He's up there. But that's just, that's just who he is. And Jesus showed up and said, it's sin. Let's get the devil out of here. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't call it sin. Because if it's sin, maybe I'm guilty too. And they didn't want to be reminded of their sin. You see, people who live near railroad tracks don't hear the train after a while. They don't. You, you find somebody who lives next to the railroad tracks, they don't hear trains. You can go visit them, the whole house can shake, and they have no idea what's going on. They just, they don't hear it. You just tune it out. So yeah, the first few, first few weeks, maybe even months, a guy screaming and crying up on the hillside every night, that's a little terrifying for the kids. A little scary. 
That's probably when they tried to put fetters on him and when they tried to put chains on him and all that. But he just, he broke those and he's still up there screaming and crying all night long. And after a while, you get used to it. You don't hear it anymore. Listen, if you've got dogs that howl around your house all the time, you know, for a while it's really annoying. And if it's sporadic, it's annoying. But if it happens all the time, you don't hear it anymore. Just like the crazy guy up in the tombs. And so they quit thinking about him and he was just part of their life and it's just the way it was and they got comfortable with devils in their midst and that's just the way it is. And that's how people are today. We get so comfortable with the sin around us that we forget how serious it really is and that it really is a sin problem that only God can solve. And so we rename things. We don't call them sin. We, we call them emotional problems, personality quirks, lifestyle choices. I'm smiling at you because you can't get mad if I smile at you. We don't, we don't have drunks anymore. We have alcoholics. Now the newest thing, hang on. I know this is Sunday morning, hang on. We don't have perverts anymore. Mm -mm. We have minor attracted adults. I'm not lying. I'm telling you, that's what we have now. Because now it's just, it's just the way they are. They were born that way. What God said was sin is still sin. We, we've taught our children that there's no difference between boys and girls. And girls ought to act like boys and boys ought to act like girls. And we, we put up with that so long that when they showed up and said, now you can actually be a girl. Or you can actually be a boy. We have no moral ground to stand on. Because we've fallen into the garbage for so long, we didn't even notice it was going on. And now it's gotten so extreme and so off the wall and so perverted, we wonder what happened. Well, we got used to the sin all along of our little girls being told to be strong little boys and our little boys told to be soft little girls and drug them if they're not. I'm still smiling at you. What's happened? You get so used to the sin that you just accept it as that's the way it is. And when Jesus shows up and says that's sin, and until we deal with that sin, we're going no further, well, that's a lot. That's just, that's triggering. Are you triggered yet? <laughs> Don't worry, we're not done. And Jesus showed up and he cast the devils out and reminded them that this man didn't have a personality issue and he didn't have a troubled childhood and he didn't have bad environment and somebody hadn't forced him to take some substance he didn't want to take and on and on and on. No, this man had a sin problem and it went on so long that he opened himself up to devils to come in and take possession of his life and now the sin problem had to be dealt with and Jesus dealt with it. And they said, we don't want to think of that as a sin problem. I'm glad it's fixed, but go away. You see, until you come to the place where you're willing to admit that your sin is actually sin, you won't get it fixed. As long as you're going to rename it, call it something else. Well, you know, I, I know that I'm bitter about this, but I'm not really bitter because that would be sin. You can rename it if you want. But if you're bitter, 
you're sinning against God. I'm smiling at you. And you're saying, devil's welcome here. That's what you're saying. Devil's welcome here. This is a playground for you. You you can come over here and mess around because I've got something I'm not even going to admit is sin and I'm not going to deal with it. So come on over here for a while. And I don't know what it was that got this man this way, but I know this doesn't happen overnight. This is a chain of events that goes on and on and never gets dealt with until finally there's a legion. And when Jesus showed up and cast out the devils, it reminded them that it was a spiritual problem and they did not want to be reminded of their sin. Secondly, Jesus threatened their lifestyle. Look at verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. The guys whose job it was to keep the pigs, they ran into town. They said, you'll never believe what happened. All of our pigs are dead. They told Jesus to go away because he threatened their lifestyle. People don't like their lifestyle messed with. They they like the idea of not going to hell. They just don't want their lifestyle messed with. That's all. And, and these people like the fact that the guy's not cutting himself and screaming and running through town naked, but they don't want their lifestyle messed with, and their lifestyle just got messed with because the pigs went in the sea. Right. Now think with me for a minute. I know we're on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, but this is still, this is still Jewish people over here, still living under the law. The law that tells them not only are they not supposed to eat pork, they're not supposed to be around it, they're not supposed to touch it, they're supposed to stay away from it. And these people have made their livelihood raising pigs. Hmm. So they're already living in open defiance of the law of God. And you wonder why the devil feels welcome in that area? Well, because the people have already rejected God. They've already denied what God told them to do. And they're living in rebellion. Is it any wonder that devils have come by and taken up residence? They're, they're swine herders. Oh, and they probably would have justified it. They probably would have said, well, we're not eating pigs. We don't eat pigs. We're Jews. We're just raising them for the Romans because the Romans like pigs. And we sell them to the Romans. And that's how we make our livelihood. Kind of like the saved restaurant owners who say, well, we have to serve alcohol. Because that's a huge part of our profit margin, and that's what people want. We don't drink it. We would never drink it. That'd be against God. But we sell it to other people. Except that God said, don't drink it, don't look at it, and very clearly in black and white said, don't give it to anybody else. I'm still smiling at you, amen? Oh, but you don't understand. It's our livelihood. I understand. People don't want to go to hell, but they don't want Jesus to mess with their livelihood and their lifestyle. It's true. And that's what happened to this guy. Just a couple weeks ago, we were in uh, Newport, Tennessee. And in Newport, Tennessee, the big thing is, right in that area of Newport and, and down in Pigeon Forge and that side of Knoxville, all, all around that area, the big thing nowadays is moonshine. You know, they, they make these batches of moonshine, they sell it to the tourists, they put it in little jars, and 
billboards everywhere, moonshine this, moonshine that, moonshine candy, moonshine chocolate, moonshine in the jug. You get your moonshine over here. And uh, I promise you, there are Christian store owners selling it in their stores because the tourists love it. They want the little, little jar of moonshine. Living in defiance of God's clear commands. And justifying it because, well, that's how I make my money. That's what these people were doing. They were raising pigs. God told them not to. They're doing it anyway because it was their livelihood. And when Jesus showed up and the pigs went in the water, they said, you need to leave now. And we're glad this guy's not running through town scaring people. But really, you've done enough. You need to go now. Our pigs are dead. You got to go. Just like people today. A lot of times, you know, folks, folks will get saved and, and, and then you find out different things going on in their life. And sometimes people get saved and you just you assume that that they're married because they're living together in the same house. And then you find out they're not really married. They're shacking up. Now, I, I don't want to be ugly. But that's just as much of a sin as it was 50 years ago and 100 years ago and when the Bible was written. That's a sin against God. And it's in black and white. I didn't make that one up. Amen? That's in there more than once. They, they make a profession of faith and they start coming to church and they should and they should. And then they, you know, they want to get baptized and join the church and all that stuff. And then you... you you determine that they're not married. <laughs> and now you got a problem. And, and so you go to them with the word of God and say, here's what God has to say. Uh, and, and honestly, if you, want to, if you want to do right before God, you either need to separate or get married. Listen, I, I've been to those weddings that happened after the Sunday morning service because somebody got saved and they just wanted to do right. And they got, boom, Sunday morning service. They got married after the service because they wanted to get it settled as soon as possible and honor God with their life. But you know what happens more often than not? I'm being honest with you. More times than not, it'll be the last time you ever see them. Because they don't want to go to hell. But they don't want Jesus messing with their lifestyle. Because they've chosen a lifestyle consciously and they don't want it touched. I'm smiling at you. Here's what you need to know. Any of us can end up there if we're not careful. When we start to hold something back from God and say, okay, God, anything but this. All of a sudden, we're not wanting him to touch certain areas of our life. And we're saying, hey, devil, here's a playground for you over here. Because I'm not going to surrender this to God. God can't touch this. This is mine. And that's what they did. He reminded them of their sin. He threatened their lifestyle. Matthew Henry said it this way. Being loath to quit either their sins or the swine, they chose rather to abandon the Savior. That was the choice. We're not going to give up our sin. We're not going to give up our pig herding. Jesus, go away. And then thirdly, they told Jesus to go away because he was forcing them to make a decision. His very presence brought them to a place of decision. Now they either have to follow him 
which means their whole lifestyle is going to be altered and their whole life is going to get turned upside down. Or they have to send him away and go back to the status quo. And they said, go away. I don't want my lifestyle messed with. I don't want my life turned upside down. Just go away. I don't want to have to deal with it today. In verse 17, it says, and they began to pray him to depart from their coasts. Just leave. They wanted to go back to the way it was. And they didn't want to have to decide that day. There are an awful lot of folks like that, too. Oh, listen, I've talked to folks who, who know that they're lost and on their way to hell who say, you know what, I, I know I need to get saved and I am going to do that before I die. Well, I'm so glad. That's really nice. Now, if you'll tell us what day you're going to die, we will put it on the official church calendar. And the day before, Brother Rice will show up at your door. Brother Jacobs will show up at your door. I'll show up at your door. Listen, half a dozen people show up at your door and we'll go back through the gospel with you again and give you another chance to get saved. So if you just tell us what day it is, you're going to die. We will put it on the calendar. Yeah. Oh, you, you mean you don't know what day that is? Huh, isn't that interesting? You know, you can go down to the cemetery and you'll find a lot of people who made it into their 80s and 90s. You'll find a few hundreds, not many. You'll find, you'll find a bunch that were in their 70s. You'll find a, a good number that were in their 60s. That used to be old. It's not old anymore, Brother Jacobs. It used to be old. You'll find, you'll find them in their 50s. It's true. In their 40s. Mm -hmm. In their 30s. And their 20s. And you'll find graves of children. I mean, teenagers and little babies who only lived a year, two, three, five. Really? I mean, they're all there. They're all there. So the truth is, you don't know what day you're going to die. You have no idea in the world. So I know because the doctor said I have. Doctors don't know anything. I was going to say another word, but I didn't know if it was appropriate. It wasn't a bad word. It just it wasn't a fancy word, you know. And this is Sunday morning, so you should use fancy words on Sunday morning. I'm just, I'm just, I'll tell you later if you want to know. It's not a bad word, really, it wasn't. But the Lord stopped me from saying that. So, you know, maybe tonight. You don't, you don't know what day you're going to die. And the doctor doesn't know what day you're going to die. No idea. I, just the, the church I was in last week in, in Statesville, North Carolina. The pastor's mother. They were sure she was going to die. They called the, the family in. She was in hospice. They said she's, only, she's got about a day. She lasted six weeks. Six weeks. The family all went home. Because, you know, they, they had come from all over the place. And eventually, she <laughs> sounds awful. She's not going to die. We've got to go home, you know. And, and, and they all went home. And, and it, it was six weeks before she died. Don't tell me you know when you're going to die. You have no idea. And it could be today. Don't spend today telling Jesus to go away. Because you don't want to think about it right now. No, you better think about it while you have the opportunity. 
because you don't know when the next opportunity is going to come by. They said, Jesus, we want you to go away. We're not going to decide what to do. The problem is not to choose is to choose. In John chapter 3, verse number 18, it says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, if you do not trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you are already condemned. You don't have to do something to be condemned. You're already condemned. And if you just don't want to decide and you want to put it off, and I'll think about it at Easter time, or I'll think about it next year, mm -mm, mm -mm. then you walk out of here already condemned, and if you die that way, you go straight to hell. There's no second option. And there's no nice way to say it. That's what happens. Because to not choose is to choose against the Savior and to die without him. And they said, Jesus, we don't want to think about this right now. You need to go away. And one of the saddest verses in the Bible is the next one. Verse number 18. Excuse me, verse, uh, verse number 20. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. Wrong verse, I'm sorry. Uh, now I've lost my verse. Oh, verse 17. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might go with him. What did Jesus do when they told him to go away? He got back in the boat. That's sad. He got back in the boat and he went back to the other side. And the man whose life had been changed said, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no, you can't come with me. I have something else for you to do. He said, I want you to go all up through this area, all through Decapolis and the whole area, and I want you to tell everybody what happened here today. And he did. I hope when we get to heaven, we can watch the replay of stuff that's not in here. I want to know what happened when he came marching through town. Clothes on, in his right mind, telling people what Jesus did. Because it had an impact, I promise you it had an impact. I would like to know, there will probably be some people in heaven someday who are there because this guy wandered through their town and told them that he had been the guy in the tombs. And I kind of want to know what happened to the people who came down to the water that day and told Jesus to go away. I suspect they're in hell right now. I suspect that. Because they said, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to deal with it. Just go away. And they had the proof right in front of them that their whole life could be changed. And they didn't want it. There are a whole lot of other folks who didn't have the proof right there at the moment, but they heard the story. And they believed and followed the Savior. You see, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, you have a choice to make. You can either accept him as your Savior, trust him, have your sins washed away and forgiven forever. Or you can walk out of here already condemned. Because if you tell him to leave you alone, sooner or later he will leave you alone. He'll just quit bugging you. And you can go your way. And your way ends in destruction. Please don't choose that path. Please don't choose that path. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. 
Lord, thank you for this story in your word of a man whose life was so totally transformed. And God, if there would be somebody here today who's lost without Christ, I pray they would understand that salvation really is as simple as accepting what you have already done for them. Accepting as sufficient to pay for their sin the sacrifice that was made on Calvary by the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that not a single lost person would tell Jesus to go away today. Lord, I pray that we as saved people would not be guilty of living that same way. Oh, glad we're not going to hell, but we don't want you to mess with our life either. God, I pray we would be willing today to open up our life and surrender it to you. Not hold back some part we don't want you to touch. Not hold back some area that's, that's too important to us, but today, Lord, just hand it over to you and let you just fill up our whole life. God, we ask that you would work in our midst today. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen, Pastor. Maybe you're here this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And maybe you've never trusted the Lord as your own personal Savior. Maybe the Lord has come knocking on your heart's door this morning. I'd urge you, I'd encourage you, don't send Jesus away. Open that door to him. Allow him to come into your life and to save you and to change your life. Don't hold on to your sin because you don't want to change, because you don't want your life to be changed. The alternative, just as Brother Rogers has preached, is, is not, not good. Maybe you're a Christian this morning. The invitation is simple, just as Paul said in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Maybe you just want to come to the altar this morning and say, God, I've been holding on to something, and today I want to turn it over to you. Whatever the need, the altar's open. the altar, rightly so called. It's a place they'd offer a sacrifice in the Old Testament. We don't have animal sacrifices. But boy, you can, you can offer yourself this morning and say, God, I am 100% yours. I don't want to hold on to anything. I want to be yours completely. As the piano plays, the altar's open.